Welcome to the Keystone Church Podcast. Keystone Church is located in Keller, Texas, in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Now, let's prepare our hearts for this week's message. You know, uh, just Easter for us and our family has gotten complicated. Um, not only do I have both sets, uh, Susan's family lives here, my family lives here, so we, we have always in our marriage figured out, okay, we're gonna be here, there, we're gonna be there, there, but then my daughter got married, and so his family is in the area as well, so now we're not only navigating our family, but their family as well, and it's just, raise your hand if sometimes getting together can be a little complicated, right? Come on, let me know, come on, raise your hand if it gets, let me not feel alone over here, anybody, all right, yeah. So it could get a little complicated. But so we did our family with my parents yesterday. We had Easter lunch yesterday, and we gathered around, incredible food, and we started talking. Strangely enough, the, the topic that came up was those kinds of things like Ancestry.com, okay, or 23andMe. And one of my daughters didn't know that I've actually done Ancestry.com. Yeah, I did it, man. I spit in the thing, and it tells me everything I need to know. Ancestry.com, and it's crazy because I was looking into it, and it's big, big business. You know, Ancestry.com has been around since like the early 80s, but in 2020, it sold for $4.7 billion. That's how big it is. See, what's happening is there is a massive, massive hunger and an appetite to know your origin story. So we started talking. I, I looked at my Ancestry. I pulled it up, hadn't looked at it in a while. And uh, I was reminded that I was hoping, I was hoping when I did Ancestry.com that I would have something really unique and cool. You know, like, oh, you know, didn't know that. I was hoping especially maybe I had some of the people of Israel in me. You know, like my people marched on, on Jericho, saw the walls come tumbling down. And uh, sadly enough, what I discovered was I am a mutt. I'm a little bit of everything European, all right, that came over here, and, and it's just kind of crazy. But we begin to talk about it, and I've even heard some stories from my dad uh, that I'd never heard before. And it's really fun to do that and talk about where you came from. It's big business, it's a big deal. There's something about it because it informs our identity. It's one of the basic questions we ask. There's several questions we ask, but one of the basic questions we all ask is, where did I come from? What's my origin story? But I wanna challenge you today that there's a more powerful question than that. That more powerful than where did I come from, what's my ancestry.com, more powerful than my family tree is where am I going? Not just where I came from, but where am I going? If you think about it, you can't really change a lot about who came over here when and what happened? And, and for some of us, that can actually be comforting. The thought of I can take control of my family tree today is kind of comforting because to even talk about origin story, to talk about family tree, it's complicated. Maybe even painful. The encouragement for us today is we wanna get you to God's family tree. That truly the question isn't about where you came from. The question is today, where do we go? It's not just about how do I know where I came from, it's how do I grow forward and create a generational blessing that lives even beyond myself. 
If you're like me, I can look back on my story and I see blessing. The wait for me, how do I continue that legacy of blessing forward? Others of you, you would say, today in Christ, I'm starting the story brand new. I'm rejecting some of those old dark stories. I'm rejecting generational curses from the past. I'm ending it right now, and like Austin's story, today's the day. Today's the first day of my new life. Family trees today. We're actually, yeah, you can clap for that. Somebody wants a new family tree right there. And we're starting a series of messages today uh, called How to Grow Your Family Tree. How to grow your family tree. Starting next week, I'll start talking about parenting and shepherding and legacy and, and how to not fumble a good ball that you've been handed or how to actually create your new family tree and how to not allow some of the toxic patterns of the past to invade your today. Because it really is about growing forward, not just knowing the past. Knowing the past is helpful, but it's far more powerful to grow forward. To do that, we're going to go to an unconventional Easter passage. Because before you ever start building your family tree, it's important for us all to get to God's family tree. To really build your tree the way that you were designed and meant to build, you've gotta get to God's family tree. And so God really put a, a scripture on my heart. It's really unconventional. I talked to the Lord about it. I'm like, God, are you sure? And he's like, just trust me. And sure enough, after several services here at Keystone, We've seen incredible life change. The response has been stunning about people seeing their lives already beginning to be built toward where, where God's great potential for their life. Let's read together Romans chapter 11, starting in verse 17. The Bible says, and I'll explain this passage in detail. I hope you understand it. It can be a little confusing, so press in. Romans eleven seventeen. 17, the Bible says, but if some of the branches were broken off of God's family tree. If some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. It's a powerful truth I'll unlock for us. First of all, a couple of weeks ago, I was actually in Israel with my wife Susan and a small team and we were uh, taping and videotaping and getting to collect a collection of different teachings and we were also getting ready for a big Israel trip that we're uh, getting all the details for and it was an incredible life-changing trip. I'll be preaching out of it for like two years. I've got lots of preaching material. And we were down in Gethsemane, which is an area uh, full of olive trees, and it's actually where Jesus went the night that he was uh, arrested the day before he was crucified, and so this is a historically rich area. This is the place where Jesus laid on his face and prayed, and in Gethsemane, it's still there, all those olive trees, and so Susan and I went down into Gethsemane, and there's this little, little garden in there, and we were actually able to get admittance into this garden, and it was gorgeous. It was beautiful. Uh, to walk around, Susan and I held hands and we would walk and we prayed together. We prayed for our family. Um, we prayed for you. Uh, we prayed over just all the concerns of our heart. We talked about building our family, talked about dreams, financial goals. We just giving it to the Lord, just walking around in this holy place, right? It was really, really cool. 
And at some point, Susan turns to me and looks me in the eye and she says, I'd like to have some alone time. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Thought we were connecting, but all right, that's cool. And so uh, she, she wanted some alone time to pray and I'm like, okay, that's a great idea. So I began to pray as well and I just kind of walked and she was over there and I was over here and I kind of lost track of her and I'm just praying and, and I'm done. Surprise, surprise, I was done before her. And, uh, and uh, when I was finished praying, I just started kind of looking for her and and when I saw her, I stopped. I stopped back where she wouldn't know that I was there, and I took a picture of her. This is Susan in that garden. Isn't that great? It's just so powerful to see your wife praying like that. She was just remembering, I believe, uh, that Jesus was there and just praying to God and just reminding. And when I see a big tree like that, like that's just something special about big old trees like that. As a matter of fact, right across, there's a little roadway, and right across the street, still in all of this Gethsemane, uh, there is this huge tree. Look at this tree. I took a picture of it too. Look at that tree. You believe that? Look at the trunk on that tree. Some people believe that this tree is so old that it was present when Jesus walked through the Garden of Gethsemane. Some people believe, so it's, it's possible that this tree was there and Jesus walked past it as he was headed to lay down on his face. Maybe it was at his feet when he was laying down on his face, praying for us, about to go to the cross. You know, I have a saying, whenever I see some, some person that I really admire who's older than me and they have a great legacy, whenever I see somebody that's built a business with integrity over a period of time, uh, even whenever I see another church or a pastor that's just gone the distance and has a, just, just a great legacy, I have a, I have a saying, I'll, I'll say it to different people, oh, they're a mighty oak. Oh man, that business is a mighty oak. That church is a mighty oak. When God begins to talk about his family tree, it is far more than a couple of millennia old. We're talking about a tree that is bigger than anything that we can conceive or conceptualize. And he welcomes us into his family tree. And God's big family tree, here's what I can tell you. The specific application, I wanna kinda break that down on what he's saying in Romans 11, pertaining to his family tree, and then I wanna take a bigger view on how it applies to us today. So he was talking to the Christians in Rome, and he was saying, I'm the family tree. God is basically the family tree. And as God is the family tree, there are some branches that are dead, lying on the ground over there. Those branches, specifically to his application, were the people who grew up around the stories of God. I'm talking about the people of Israel. They grew up for centuries, literally thousands of years. The stories of the Bible were curating the culture of the people of God, and they grew up around that. But they did not believe, and he compared unbelievers who grew up around the truth of God as dead branches lying on the ground. And then over here, he turned his attention to these wild olive trees. These wild olive trees. So this tree that you saw, that tree right there is a curated olive tree. It's been carefully curated for 2,000 years. Tended for 2,000 years. But there are these wild olive trees all over Israel. You just drive by and you'll see olive trees by the side of the road. These wild olive trees over there, he says, these are the Gentiles. These are people that didn't grow up in church. These are people that don't have access to the stories of God. If you were to say, hey, you know the story of Noah, they'd say, I don't know the story of Noah. Why don't you tell me about it? 
And I would argue that we have both types of people even in this room every single week at Keystone Church. We have those of us that have grown up around the things of God. We have those of us that have grown up away from the things of God. We have those of us that have grown up around the things of God and have fallen away in unbelief. And we have those that have grown up away from the things of God that are ready to join the family of God. It's a powerful metaphor that God gives us in Romans 11. The ultimate message of this metaphor is this. God is telling the story saying, in my family tree, there's room. There's room for those of you that grew up but you don't believe. There's room for those of you that never heard of it yet you wanna believe. There's room for everybody. And at Keystone Church, there's room for you. We have so many people in overflow right now and listen, we're not done. Next year, maybe we'll do eight Easter services. They'll just wheel me out here. Because as long as there's a marriage that's one signature away from signing those divorce papers, as long as there's addiction like Austin's that needs to be broken, as long as there's anybody that sees their kids and they're concerned for their kids and they wanna see them flourish and thrive and find their faith, as long as there's anybody that has that, we won't stop, we won't give up, we won't stop. We'll have a seat for you, we'll have a place for you. We'll make room because it would break my heart if we had stopped growing right before Austin got here. If we had stopped growing right before the marriage that we've seen healed came into this room, right before that student turned away from their bad practices and their rebellion and they kneeled before Almighty God. I can't tell you how many parents have come to me saying, I found Keystone. How did you find Keystone? My kid, my kid. They love it so much, I just had to be here. I had to see what's going on. God's family tree is that big. Now, one thing you gotta know, remember those dead branches down and those branches away. Anything not yet connected to the big family tree, anything not yet connected, what the story is telling us is spiritually dead. If you're not connected to God's family tree, spiritually, you're dead. The Bible teaches us that sin makes us spiritually dead. Sin makes us spiritually dead. So what is sin, Brandon? What is sin? Maybe you grew up hearing about sin, but do you really know what it is? The classic definition of sin, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So a classic definition of sin is missing the mark. Let me explain. God has a glorious bullseye for your life. And we all miss the bullseye. God has a bullseye for your behavior. God has a bullseye for your choices. There's a right choice. There's a right behavior. God has a bullseye on how you moderate your emotions. God has a bullseye on how you drink. God has a bullseye on how you eat. God has a bullseye on affection. God has a bullseye on romance. And every single one of us, every single body, everybody online, all of us have missed the mark. The Apostle Paul said it this way. And the Apostle Paul was a righteous dude. This guy knew the Bible better than I do. He could quote it backwards and forwards. Incredible theologian, loved Jesus, eventually gave his life for Jesus. He was beaten for it. He gave up so much. The Apostle Paul, that righteous dude, he said this. There are things I know I should do and I don't do those things. How about that? And then he said, 
there are those things I know I should not do. And I do those things. So the worst thing you can do coming up in here Easter Sunday is try to be a faker. Try to say, oh, I don't know about that. I think I make the mark. Well, you're guilty of pride. You're missing it right there. We've all sinned. We all miss the mark. The Bible teaches us this, that when we sin, it's death. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is a truth you may not have known, that sin is spiritual death. Separation from God's family tree is spiritual death. Ephesians 2, 1, you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Romans 6, 11, so you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So what this means is a lot of us, when we think of how I relate to God, it's through the terms of am I good or am I bad? How do you evaluate yourself to God? Am I good or am I bad? And what God is telling us here, it is not a matter of you good or bad. It is a matter, are you alive or are you dead? Am I spiritually alive or am I spiritually dead? Am I good or bad? Are you performing well enough for God? I, uh, in high school, I played basketball, played on the basketball team. Well, correction, I was on the basketball team. <laughs> Didn't get a lot of playing time. I was on the basketball team and uh, I didn't play at all. I finally just told my parents, stop coming. I really did, I was like, you don't need to come and watch me, it was, it was hard. <clears throat> That's a true story. I'll tell you another true story. One time I was, uh, I, it was a game and we were up by, I don't know, 100? <laughs> Two minutes left in the game, let's put in Brandon. You know it's really bad, it's really bad when they put you in and everybody starts cheering for you. <laughs> it's not encouraging. Can I? <laughs> that was happening. And um, I'm out there, and, and I, you know, I've, this is rare air for me, man. I'm, I've, I've, I haven't been out on the court. Wow, it's bouncier than I remember. <clears throat> and I'm just hopped up with all this adrenaline, right? Like, you know, adrenaline is just like going crazy. You know, they say you could like lift a car with that kind of stuff. I mean, I was just, I was just heartbeat racing. And, and I played, I, I, I warmed the bench. I was a scrub. <laughs> scrub is the kind of don't get no love from me. <laughs> Bringing on the other side of the background. Okay. I wasn't that kind of scrub, but I was a basketball scrub. <laughs> and, uh, and I had a buddy who played with me. He too was a bench warmer and he was a football player. Okay, have you ever seen a football player that should have quit playing basketball a long time ago? Like, he's a bowling ball coming through there. Like, it's hilarious, it's awesome. I mean, he's the enforcer. You know, he's just running, he doesn't know how to stop his body, stop his momentum, so people are just bouncing off him. So Brian was that dude, big guy. And so he put Brian, he put Brandon in. And so here we are, Brian gets a rebound. Brandon takes off. Remember, truly, I'm hopped up on adrenaline, so I fly past everybody else you know, and I'm coming down the side of the court, and I'm, I'm like, arm up, I'm up, I'm wide awake, I mean, I'm open. I think they had given up, because there was like maybe a minute left at this point. I'm playing like it's the championship, right? 
And so I'm, I'm flying down and Brian, big muscular Brian, he takes the ball and he just, and I mean, it, it didn't arc at all. It was just straight velocity like Thanos had thrown it. I miraculously catch that meteor coming toward me. And, and I, I put, I, I just, you know, maybe two dribbles and then I'm in the air. And I am higher than I've ever jumped in my life. I'm, I'm doing the, you know, my best Jordan, you know, I've got my tongue out. And I go for an easy layup. Nobody around me, totally uncontested. I go for the easy layup. And as the ball leaves my hand, you know, cha-cha-cha. You know, as the ball leaves my hand, it kisses the, the backboard and flies off of the backboard, <laughs> bounces all the way back to about half court. And the coach pulled me with about a minute left. <laughs> that was about it for basketball for me. But aren't you glad that God doesn't relate to you based on your performance. That God is not just looking for the brightest and the best. God's not looking for just the people he will start. God's not looking for the ones that can hit the threes. God's not looking for the ones that just have handles. God's not looking for just someone that can break ankles. God's not looking for the biggest hitter on the football team. God's not looking for the one that can just hit the mark. That was me dancing. That God's not looking for somebody that can just nail it perfectly or do a back tuck. God's not looking for people that can do it just perfectly. God says it's not about good or bad, your behavior. It's about I'm just looking for someone that I can breathe life into and I can have a relationship. It's about life or death, not good or bad. And God's pursuing us. He's actively pursuing those wild branches. He's actively pursuing those dead on the ground branches. You thought your faith was dead. God's still pursuing you. You turned away from him. Oh, you went to, you went to church whenever you were in high school and it was kind of fun. Kumbaya, friends are friends forever. But, but there was a point where you kind of grew out of that but you find yourself in the room today and maybe God says, I'm pursuing you. I never stopped. I never stopped pursuing you and I'm pursuing you today. This is what he says. You see, that little dead limb on the ground is not able to like all of a sudden come alive and hop over to the family tree and graft itself in. The little wild branch over here is not able to cut itself off of its wildness and hop over here and just like swing and try to swing and attach to the family tree. Can you see it? This is my head, this is the way it works. You don't attach yourself to God. You don't work your way to God. God worked his way to you on the cross. This is good news. God seeks you. The Bible says, even in, uh, in Luke chapter 19, that, that God is the one who seeks and saves the lost. The lost don't seek God, God seeks you. And you say, well, I, was, I came to church looking for answers. God's been sitting on the edge of your bed waiting for you to wake up every single morning, every single day of your life. You say, I think that's a bit of a stretch. God waiting for me to wake up. Oh yeah? Well, the Bible says that God is the one, his thoughts about you outnumber the grains of sand on all the beaches on planet Earth. 
I don't know about you, but I've come back from 38. It took me weeks to get those grains out of my suitcase. <laughs> those tiny little grains, his thoughts outnumber the grains of sand towards you. And you tell me that he's not seeking you. It even goes back to our ultimate origin story, the, the root of our family tree, Genesis 3, verse 9. The Lord God called to man. Now, this is right after the first family had taken a bite of the forbidden fruit and had wrecked it all. Had wrecked it all. And the Lord God, after they had wrecked it all, said to them, said to him, where are you? God knew where Adam was. What's going on here? It's just like parenting. It's like parenting. When your kid comes in, they're a little bit late and you're waiting up and you say, hey, where have you been? Did you just come from Susie's house? Or were you at Johnny's like you told me? Now you already know because you got Life 360. <laughs> what are you doing even by asking, right? What are you doing? You're giving them an opportunity to be forthright. <clears throat> You're giving an opportunity to build that relationship built on, they've already broken trust because you know where they were and you're giving an opportunity for restoration. That's a good parenting hack right there. It's a good move. God was doing it in the garden. He knew where Adam was. What's he doing? He's seeking Adam. He's trying to restore. And Adam, he didn't wreck the car. Much worse. He didn't, he didn't just, he didn't set fire to a house. Much worse. Adam and Eve's behavior broke the world. Set fire to every house. Broke everything that works. Crashed us cosmically. Hurricanes, tsunamis, earthquakes, bombs, barbed wire, everything because of that sin. And still, God pursued man. And he's pursuing you now, even today. Let's pick up on the picture. Big family tree. <clears throat> God's big family tree. So here's what I know. After preparing for this message, I studied, and really the series of messages, I began to study even the image of, of the tree that's so dominant in scripture. <clears throat> so I began to ask, okay, so what, is it, what does this mean, the grafting in? You take a tree, you take a limb from over here and you put it on this tree and it'll grow? Yeah, that actually happens. Here's, what, here's the way it works. What I've learned is the parent tree often will have a deficiency, a deficit. It's not really good with drought. Or no, let's put it this way. Let's say it's really good with drought. Like it really handles handle drought. And it's really good at pushing back disease. <clears throat> but its olives are small. There's just something about the DNA of that tree. It produces small olives, not a lot of fat, not a lot of oil. So over here, there's a wild olive tree growing. And boy, those things live and die. Drought comes, psh, gone. Disease comes, gone. But while it's living, it produces these majestically fruitful olives, just gigantic, oil-filled olives. And so what the good gardener does, knowing the weaknesses and the strengths, 
This little weak olive tree can't handle drought or disease. This one can handle it really good. This one produces massive olives. This one's a little small. So what do we do? We cut off the wild olive branch. You chip a little in the bark, open it up, put that wild olive branch in, close it, and then wrap it, wrap it, wrap it. And someone between the services even said that they've witnessed when they, they've actually grabbed a little green thumb that you are, they actually have seen in about 30 days there was a union between the parent tree and the, and the branch. That, that quickly it can happen. So you may be drawing the conclusion that based on horticulture that what we can learn is that God is coming to us and he's saying, hey, I need you. We're better together. There's some things that I need that you have and there's some things that I have that you need. Come to me, you'll complete me. <laughs> but you remember in verse 18 what it said. Let me read it. it. Said in verse 8, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. In God's family tree, it's drought resistant. It can push back disease. And God's family tree gives an incredible yield of fruit. God's family tree is totally self-sustaining. There's no weakness. It can withstand any kind of weather event. It can withstand any kind of natural disease. It can produce, oh my goodness, you give two loaves of bread and three fish and you can feed thousands. That's how productive God's family tree is. It just produces exceedingly, abundantly more than you could ever ask or imagine. It doesn't need the wild branch. So what does God do? He's not bringing the wild branch in. He's not seeking you because he needs you. He is seeking you because he wants you. It's from a cup that's full that he says, I want you. My roster's full. Sure, I've got a great team. I still want you. I've got all-star players. I still want you. There's room on the court for you. I think that's a greater love. I think it's a greater love that says, I don't need you, but I want you. And I'm gonna prove how much I want you. I'm gonna pursue you when you're slapping me in the face and rejecting me and mocking me and, and disavowing yourself of any knowledge of me. That's how much I love you. That I'm not gonna stop coming. You can rebel, you can do your thing. I'm still coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Because ultimately, Christ went to the cross with the most extravagant emblem of I'm seeking the lost, I'm seeking the wild, I'm seeking the dead branches. Yes, even dead branches, I will join to me and they will come alive. They'll come alive. So have you lost your faith? Have you, have you strayed from what you were taught and it never really was real for you in the first place? Or maybe this is all new to you. Wherever you may be today, Christ on the cross is calling your name. Because what I know is on the cross, you were on his mind. He who knew no sin became our sin so that in him we could have a great relationship with God, right standing with God. So today on this Easter, from an unlikely metaphor, maybe it's the message that you needed to hear to understand it's not about being good or bad. It's about being alive or dead. It's not about your past and if you're on the ground or over here in the wild, where the wild things are. Listen, it's about 
God is seeking you. The invitation is open. If you hear my voice, it's for you. Are you connected to God's family tree? We can talk about parenting. We can talk about legacy. We'll do that next week. But first, how do you have his sap of resurrection power flowing through your veins if you're not connected to the tree? How do you have hope to have a godly marriage if you're not connected to the tree? How do you have resurrection power to kick that addiction if you're not connected to the tree? So what I'd love for us to do, could you just bow your heads and close your eyes? From the empty tomb, there's an invitation with your name in it. And it's not a mass form email. It's a handwritten note with your name on it saying you are invited to God's family tree. It's the ultimate identity. You say, I'd, I'd love to receive that invitation. I'd love to show up for that party. I'm in. If that's you, and I'm talking to everybody, I'm talking to everyone in, that can hear my voice in the room, in overflow, online, listen, right now. This is a moment between life and death. Spiritually, today, if you'd like to receive Christ and join his family tree, the Bible says it's very easy. Those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. I ask you to bow your heads for privacy. I want you to do business with God. Young lady, I want you to do business with God. Sir, I'm asking you to do business with God right now. Those who call on the name of the Lord, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So you say, I'm in. How do I do that, Brandon? I'm ready. Here's how. Let's just do what he said. Confess him as Lord. I'll help you. Let's pray together. If you want to make this big life-changing decision, everything changes from here. You're now attached to his tree. Pray with me. God, I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner. On the cross, I know you died for my sin. Just talk to him like he's sitting right there next to you. On the cross, you died for my sin. You conquered death so I could have life. You know, when he conquered death, he did what only God could do. We can't do that. So here's the big ask right here. God, would you adopt me into your family? May I never be the same again. And the risers up high here in the lower sections. Life lap out in the lobby. God, would you adopt me into your family? May I never be the same again. You've never prayed anything like this before. A minute with your heart. This is new. Something's changing. Again, I believe Jesus went to the cross for my sins, conquered death to give me life. So God, would you adopt me into your family? Now for the prayer to reach its, its peak, I'm gonna invite you to do this. I'm gonna count to the number three, heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around. I'm not gonna single you out. We don't have servant leaders that'll come and talk to you. It's nothing like that. This is your prayer to God. If you prayed and you meant it with all your heart, as part of that prayer, I'd invite you, when I count to the number three, to raise your hand. And what you're saying is, I did it. You're saying it to yourself and you're saying it to God, like reaching up to him and saying, God, I'm with you. 
So I'm gonna count to three, and if you meant it with all your heart, at the number three, just raise those hands high. Again, starting your spiritual journey on God's family tree. One, through all the services, there have been so many hands I can't count. As we went into the services, I said, if there's just one hand, it's worth all of Easter. There have been so many. Two, don't think about the person to your left or to your right. But are you ready? If you meant it, like a child reaching up for the hand of, of your new father, new family tree, are you ready to raise them? Three, hands up. Wow. Hey, reach them high. This is between you and the Lord. God, see. I'm responding to you, God. I'm calling to you, God. God, this is me up in the upper section. Life Lab, are your hands up? In the lobby, are your hands up? Online, let us know. This is my moment. I'm crossing the line of faith. Praise Jesus. You can put your hands down. And could I just invite you also, still in a spirit of prayer, whatever life change God has for you, freedom, growth, a new church home, Whatever God is doing in your life, just say yes. We're gonna turn this around. We're gonna parent differently. I'm taking a new approach on my marriage. Just say yes. Now I want us to do something. Could you stand to your feet? Everybody, just go ahead and stand to your feet. Life Lab, everybody, just stand to your feet. <clears throat> I'm gonna pray a celebration prayer. When I'm done praying, I'm gonna invite you, especially if you just raised your hand, I wanna challenge you to go be baptized. We've already told you how to do it. Just leave your seat, go out there. We have the nicest people in the world that are gonna help you be baptized today. If you've never been baptized, you can be baptized today. We're ready for you. Father, we thank you for what you're doing today. And God, we celebrate all of these that have taken a leap of faith to join your family tree. Father, we pray for the Christ followers to find freedom. We pray to take ground this Easter. We pray to say yes, however you're moving us. And specifically, as we leave our seats to be baptized today, I pray for courage in this house to follow you. Like the man who said, Brandon, one year ago, I got baptized on Easter and he's smiling and his life has been changed. I pray for that story to happen today, right now, as we leave our seats. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about Keystone Church, please visit us at keystonechurch.com.